All right, another good one from the community. Yes, sir. Where did you get this one? Was it sent to you directly? Did you pull it off YouTube or? I pulled it off YouTube and it was a couple episodes ago. I can't remember now which episode it was. It might have been They're all the intended together. stimulus. I can't remember. Is yeah, either the intended stimulus or the uh, hypertrophy F, okay. uh, episode. It's a good one. So this one is from David B. And he says, he enjoys all the discussions. He's been a disciple of CrossFit for over a decade and is currently closer nice. to 60 years old than to 55 years old. Can you all talk about the elements of coaching an increasing number of master's athletes and what we as master's athletes need to think about in scaling our programming for this demographic? Is holding steady on numbers or at least minimizing their decline still, quote unquote, gaining at a certain age? Thanks for what you all do for the community of athletes and coaches. So we've got somebody north of 55 approaching 60 and is just curious what, if anything, needs to change in the workout of the day. What should I have in my mind? I would interpret that both as an, I would like if, if you're an individual athlete in this demographic alone in your garage to walk away with something. And also if you're a coach that coaches a group mm -hmm. of athletes, what you should have in your head. And I really like his question there at the end about what am I trying to do? Am I trying to just not lose my gains? Am I still trying to increase them, hold steady? Will the decline come? How do I deal with that? Those are real world awesome questions that happen to be, not to get us off topic, but one of the things that I really liked about Cross when I first dove into it is I didn't hear too many programs actually talk about that. Not, not the end yeah. of the journey in some fatalistic sense, but like, look, it's not going to rain PRs forever. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you know, at a certain period of time, depending upon when you entered, what your athletic background was, what your capacity is, at some point in time, you're going to peak. And the peak by the very nature after the peak is a decline. <laughs> like, we're all <laughs> yeah. going to face this on a different timeline to different degrees but it's coming for all of us. And I'd never heard anyone just throw it on the table before. So I, I always I always like that topic. So there's a lot to chew on in this one. Yeah, there really is. And it, like, I think if we address the question head on, which you know I'm not usually so good at, I usually try to take a, a big picture view and then start to dial it in. But, but let's go straight to the meat of it. If you have somebody who's an older athlete or you are an older athlete, um, you know, in my opinion, I think recovery is the name of the game. Now, what I would put on top of that is I think that that's no different for everybody. It's mm -hmm. just your ability to recover, particularly from high volume type of efforts. Um, that's going to be one of the things that you're going to start to notice as you get to a more mature age, shall we say. Um, and so really, it's just about finding the sweet spot of what is going to allow you to come in and train and keep you motivated and comma, what is not going to take so much out of the tank that you're going to have a hard time doing that on a regular basis. And so in my experience and, and many of the people that I've seen that have gone through, you know, years and years of training now, that's what it is. It's volume management. And so I think it's kind of interesting because mm -hmm. some of the best programs out there are already keeping that in mind for their athletes that are in a pretty young demographic. You know, they, they realize that working just to do more work isn't necessarily the best strategy. I want to work to get the best effect and then 
pull the plug so that I can come back recovered and do it again later. Um, you know, I think it's a trap that we talk about all the time to fall into this volume cycle where I just do more and more and more and more because I'm convinced that that's what's going to stave it off. And, and oftentimes it's not the case. So first thing I would say to an aging athlete is, hey, volume is going to be something that matters. You're going to need to keep an eye on that. And you're probably going to have to start shaving some things away in the kind of meat and potatoes of your workouts. And you might need to start adding some things to uh, places like warm-ups and cool-downs, get the engine running a little bit hotter before you dive into something headlong. Um, but volume management is going to be like my number one thing to start looking at from both a coaching perspective and an individual athlete perspective. Yeah, you hit it with the recovery for sure. And and more is certainly not better. And we'll, we'll touch on a lot of We'll touch on a lot of concepts, I think, and then I, mm -hmm. it's going to be up to the individual athlete. Sorry, I'm not trying to avoid the question, but there is not a, you are 54 years old, this is your training program, and then on your yes. 55th birthday, you enter the 55-year-old class and get the different programming. Uh, because, <laughs> uh, you know, and I've dealt with this with my own community as well, who've been very vocal about it, quite frankly, because I've asked interesting questions like this and polled them a bit. And... I've, you know, not all 55 year olds are the same, just like not all 35 year olds aren't the same from range of motion to injuries, you know, how many dents in the fender, what's your athletic background, what are your goals, what are you looking for, how much time do you have to recover, are you 70 pounds overweight, are you fit and trim, uh, mm -hmm. what do you pay attention to outside the walls of the gym, these are huge factors that are not related to your age, that are going to have a, a, a monumental lifestyle impact on what you have going on. And so, yes, you're 55 years old. Great. That tells me something, but a whole lot more has to get uh, examined so I can figure out what's going on with you. And whether you're, you know, I have, let's say, people in their 70s still following along, but if you're 55 years old, let's just stick with that number for a bit. I've got 55-year-olds that the workout of the day, the overwhelming majority of the time, whatever it is, that's what they do. And I mm -hmm. have a, a fair number of 55-year-olds that also, and I'll just take for simple terms, um, gentlemen's, gentlemen's and women's weight. I've got a, another group that will just immediately knock down the loading right away. So like, hey, that amount of volume is fine. I can still do Fran. But if I've got a guy, he's not going to do, he's 55 years old. He's nose right off the bat. I'm not doing 95 pounds on the thruster. I'm doing 65. And that treats me fantastic. But I have others that can do 95. So it's not like there's a 55-year-old loading that everyone who was born in a certain year has to follow that. So I know that's an unsatisfying answer because sometimes they want a black and white delineation of this is precisely what you should do. But a lot of it has to do with, I'm sorry, as, as oversimplified as this is, the the huge regardless of your age the universal training principles still apply to you because because life yes. still demands the same thing from you you're going to need to pull off the ground you're going to need to go below parallel you need to press in various directions some upper body pulling would be really beneficial for you that doesn't mean kipping chest to bar pull-ups or ring muscle-ups mm -hmm. but some upper body pulling we'd like to have you go short medium and long that would be great you want to expose yourself to a heavy stimulus relative to what's you know, appropriately challenging for you. That's going heavy. 
intensity is still going to be a good thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean of burning it down. You can't even talk during the workout. You're borderline hyperventilating. You're rolling around on the floor for six minutes. I don't want to see that for my 71-year-old <laughs> athlete. But relative to them, intensity just means I'd like to see you working kind of hard today. You know, so all of those same universal programming metrics, universal demands of life, they don't care about your age. And if and if you get to know yourself or the cohort of athletes that you're coaching and where they are in their fitness journey, you can have everyone meet all those needs, but you just might tweak the loading on the barbell. You might tweak, you know, hey, so-and-so who's 68 years old, I want you going hard today, but I don't ever want you going so hard that when I talk to you, you can't respond to me. You're never that out of breath. You know, like we can find ways to make this work for everybody. It just, it's just, uh, but it's not a nice, neat box, cookie cutter response that, you know, here's my 63-year-old training program. Yeah, absolutely. And I think training age, you touched on this a lot with some of the variables that you threw out there, but, you know, training age is a huge one too. If you have somebody who's 55 years old and this is their first day in the gym, that's going to look a lot different than what sure. it sounds like here where we have, you know, 55 or somebody who's north of 50, closer to 60 in, in their words. And been doing uh, CrossFit a decade. Exactly. Yeah. That's quite a you know significant training history. It's pretty legit to have that body work under your belt. So it's going to look a little bit different. Um, so that kind of brings me to the next point, which is, hey, how long can I expect to continue to make progress? And reading between the lines a little bit uh, on this question, it suggests to me that progress is still being made. And there may be a little bit of surprise by that. Because it wouldn't be a question if it's like, hey, I'm no longer making progress. You would just come out and say that. So, right. um, you know, it's interesting. Back when CrossFit was still relatively kind of fresh-faced and there weren't as many people doing it, you come back through some of the old journal articles. Um, Greg Glassman used to say that he expected like a solid 10-year period of adaptation for anybody starting at any age. So you start mm -hmm. at age 20, you can expect that you're going to be on a rocket ship for like 10 years still making lots of progress and, and not quite reaching your peak yet. That was kind of his um, basic framework for how long people would continue to make progress. As we've seen more and more people take on CrossFit over the years, we have a ton of uh, you know more kind of uh, data to look at, so to speak. It seems like that might even be conservative, that 10 years. Now, it's not to say that you're going to be making huge 50-pound jumps on your lifting or shaving off minutes off some of those benchmarks, but it's very realistic that people um, continue to improve well beyond that 10-year mark. And I think what's kind of cool is even when people aren't getting significantly fitter under those metrics, meaning you know weights have kind of stagnated, times are relatively similar. They're kind of hovering in the same spot. There are other aspects that you can begin to apply yourself to that you can still continue to push out, gaining new skills, refining yes. the skills that you, that you do have already, uh, learning how to perform those skills in different combinations with one another. You know, there's all sorts of benefit to doing that um, and tangible objective improvement that can be made there even when some of those more kind of hardwired physiological elements don't seem to be making as much progress. And so it's not uncommon for you to hear people. I mean, Annie Sakamoto just had a, a video on the main site just recently uh, oh, yeah, where she yeah. was, yeah, she was challenged to do um, pressing to handstand 
uh, as part of the workout Annie. They had a, a workout called Gymnasty Annie, which is pretty cool. And uh, she on camera, she's talking about, hey, I've been doing this 18 years and this is a skill that I've never really pursued. And I dove in headlong and now I can do this. And that was pretty cool to be almost two decades deep and still being exposed to things and getting better at them. So, you know, don't limit yourself to a particular number on that, um, even when some of those, you know, raw numbers, strengths and times may seem to not be jumping ahead quite as much. There's always a place to improve. So seek that out. You know, and there's so many things that we do and talk about and, and not to downplay the value that I hope that we bring to people through this, <laughs> but sometimes it's training is simple and people are hard, you know, and, and, and each person, that's a great statement. <laughs> each person wrestles like person a might really wrestle with something that just rolls off person B's back and they've got yep. no drama with it and, and vice versa. Somebody might have no problem showing up to the gym. They never miss a day, but nutrition is their struggle. And somebody might have the total opposite. Like, you know, every, you know, some, some things are just difficult for some people to deal with. And the question of, you know, you know, what should I do? Or when I get to that age of, I, I haven't, PR'd something in a north of 15 years of training and I'm in my late 50s, whatever, whenever it happens to be, whenever that, you know, whenever that time comes knocking on your door, you know, uh, it's, it's up to the individual to figure out, to either reframe their goals, uh, why they're doing something, why they walk into the gym, to keep themselves walking into the gym. You know, I've said this before, where I may never, ever PR my Fran time ever again. For, and I hope to have many more decades on this planet of working out. And none of them, I think, will have a Fran PR in them. Um, and it's tough for me to articulate how much I just don't care about that, to be honest <laughs> with you. Like, I just don't yeah. care. Now, there was, a, there was a phase in my life where I was profoundly proud and braggadocious about my Fran time because it was good. And if that was like what I defined myself by, I guess that would probably hurt really bad as it started to fade and went away and I couldn't wave mm -hmm. it above my head anymore. Um, hopefully I've matured a little bit as, as the years go on, but I've realized why I work out is, is not necessarily to tell people about my friend time. It is, it is to hit those marks that I mentioned earlier of how I need to strengthen my body for the demands of real life so that I can do things and be a capable human being and ideally live a long, healthy, productive, fruitful life that can involve going hiking or playing a sport or running around with my kids or doing something around the house, you know, like whatever it happens to be, not being frail and weak and feeble, like being an asset, not a liability. And all of those things can happen with a three-minute Fran, a five-minute Fran, or a nine-minute Fran, quite frankly, you know, as long mm -hmm. as I'm still training my body in a way to meet those demands and so wherever the athlete is in their in their road you will one day be faced with never seeing that deadlift pr ever again never seeing yeah. that fill in the blank and it, it can be just a good thing to get your head around before that happens and, and ask yourself you know why am i doing what i'm doing and if you're at the phase in your life where 
you're in your late 20s, early 30s, and you're in the burn it down phase. Where am I placing <laughs> on the leaderboard of the open? That is it, my friends. You know, where did I get on the whiteboard before I walked out of the gym? Cool. Like, I'm not taking anything away from that. Just life has different phases, you know, and just meet each one with open arms because it's just a new challenge. It's just a new phase. So if you, if this person eventually isn't yet in that phase where they're starting to decline, it's looming somewhere out there and there's a whole new a whole new point of view that you can potentially still keep yourself fired up, keep yourself engaged, keep yourself walking into the gym. You just got to figure out why that is. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say too, you know, if we're going to talk about the decline, like I do believe that inevitably there is going to be a point where you can no longer continue getting better. Even despite the range that I was talking about earlier, at a certain point, yeah, you're going to get to the top of the mountain, so to speak. And at that point, the name of the game is, okay, how do I preserve what I have as long as possible and and stop the decline from being a sharp drop? Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of different ways to think about that. This kind of goes back to some old CrossFit theory. You know, if you take your level one, which you should, um, the what is fitness discussion maps out really nicely what it means to be fit and how you can see that. And so basically, you're going to take a bunch of different outcomes from different workouts at different times, and you're gonna plot them on a graph. And that graph is gonna be a nice slope that starts at like the really high power output type of workouts and and drops off as you get further and further out to more endurance-based efforts. And the goal of a fitness program is to try to elevate that entire curve and to make it bigger, make the area under the curve bigger. That's a representation of your fitness. Now, at a certain point, you can't keep pushing that up, but you can stop it from dropping right back down to either baseline or below. And that's going to be the importance of continued training at that time. It's going to be a nice, gradual, Mm -hmm. slow descent that you probably don't even notice day to day, week to week. And that's pretty awesome because if you take a uh, kind of a snapshot of two different athletes, somebody who's figured out that training is an important thing to do and it's going to benefit their life and somebody who doesn't. And you take a look at their fitness, one of them is going to be significantly higher than the other. They're both going to experience inevitable decline. The person whose fitness is much higher, before they even get to the baseline of the untrained person, they have to decline significantly. Whereas the untrained person is just on that decline getting worse and worse and worse. And so you've got this enormous spread that starts to develop uh, from somebody who's got a relatively high level of fitness and somebody who doesn't, and somebody who's trying to maintain that even if they can't push it further. Uh, Another way to look at it is basically as every year goes on, the gulf between you, the trained individual, and somebody who is not engaging in that gets wider and wider and wider. And I'm sure that you know, this, this athlete is probably seeing that I'm sure their peers in that kind of Mm -hmm. mid to late fifties area who aren't as health conscious, who aren't as interested in pursuing physical things. There's probably a pretty significant gap between them and this individual. So the name of the game is, Hey, you're kind of staving off the clock. Uh, there's an, an anecdote that actually a old bodybuilder, I think it was a Bill Pearl story. Um, he used to tell where, you know, he'd been training for a long time. He always ran into this old timer in the gym. And uh, one day he confronted him and he said, hey, you know, like I've noticed you've been training for, for a long time. And the old timer says, yeah, I've been training for 30 years. 
And uh, Bill Pearl says, well, you know, I never see you increase the weights. And he goes, well, what do you mean? Like, I've kept the same weights for 20 years now. Like, I've, I've stopped the clock for 20 years. Mm -hmm. He's like, if that's not good enough for you, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, who among us would not think that that is a pretty amazing outcome if, you know, at the age of 60, you're feeling pretty close to where you were at age 40. I think most people would take that, even if they're not seeing a PR uh, on the leaderboard on the regular. Yeah, you know, and I don't piggyback off that story. I don't have a crystal ball to see what the next 5, 10, 15, or 20 years of my training looks like. But I hope I have the, the intelligence to actually execute on the plan that I'm going to lay out right now, which is just understanding what really moves the needle, understanding what is important, and understanding ideal versus real. So in, in an ideal world, I will be able to pursue everything that I previously mentioned. Won't that be great? For as, <laughs> for as, you know, here's my oversimplification. For as long as possible, using intelligence would be great. For as long as possible, expose yourself to as much loading, complexity of movements and skills that taxes your central nervous system, and intensity as you can appropriately for as long as you can. Now, that's a, you know, it's a, a wide statement with a lot of flex in, that, in, intentionally. So little by little, one of those will start to get etched away. Could be the loading first. Maybe it's the complexity. Maybe a couple have like, but to claw on to as much of those for as long as I intelligently can, not being negligent or reckless or whatnot, but just appropriately pushing myself with loading intensity and complexity of movement for as long as possible. And if eventually the road leads me to, uh, I just can't do intensity anymore for whatever reason, let's say, but I'm doing functional movements slowly, but I'm mm -hmm. 71 years old. How much of a big of a win that is? It's like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't really go berserk anymore, but I still squat and deadlift. Yeah, the loads are light, but I squat and deadlift. You are an absolute hero at 71 years old, if you still have, I don't care if it's just an empty trainer bar, you're squatting and deadlifting, <laughs> you are a Marvel superhero compared to your peers, like unquestionably. But you know, again, the ideal goal is I'm greedy, as we all should be greedy mm -hmm. with our health and fitness. And I'm going to try to maintain as, as much of what I just said for as long as I can. And when something pops up that intelligence demands that I look at, and I have to make some sort of a concession, I will make the smallest concession possible and drive forward until I reach that decision, that fork in the road again. Then I will make the smallest concession possible and, and keep going. Yep. And that's going to be the plan. But that is an accurate yet vague plan because it's going to look different for every 50-year-old, 55-year-old, 65-year-old, which is why I feel like this episode is, is better served with these broad brush general concepts that hopefully each individual or trainer can apply to the to the specific individual, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, last thing I've got to say on that is, uh, if we take a, a, a step away from kind of the objective results on paper, the loads that you're lifting, the reps that you're performing, um, the times that you're putting in, things like that, uh, you, you take all those away. At the end of the day, if you're getting in there and like you said, you're performing these um, functional movements, you're, you're doing them at an effort that is difficult to maintain, 
there are going to be benefits that come around from that on a physiological and neurological level that you just cannot sidestep. And so take all that away, take the you know, logging of your workouts, take all of the stuff that you know, is important and can really start to guide your, your training. But if you discarded all of it and you just engaged in the activity, there's still a ton of benefit there mm-hmm. uh, that keeps the machine running, so to speak, and keeps you in a better place just as far as, you know, the, the way your anatomy is, is working, your, like I said, the physiology of it is, is going to be more cohesive. Uh, the, there's increasing evidence that it's really good for the brain to stay active as long as you possibly can. And so that alone should encourage somebody, um, even if their numbers are starting to decline a little bit, that, hey, man, the pursuit is still worth it. This is not something that matters so much if the paper numbers are Mm -hmm. looking like they're trending down a little bit. And getting back to, if it was the last episode, well, by the time this post won't be the last episode, we just recently did the episode on intended stimulus, and you mentioned it Mm -hmm. previously. And that goes a long way. I touched on that earlier. But for example, you've got individuals in your class, let's say ranging from 25 years old to 60 years old. And the workout of the day is great because it's very well-known. 30 clean and jerk for time, 135 or 95 pounds. Well, okay, do we have to scale or let's say nobody has an injury. Do we have to scale or modify? Well, if, if the coach or the trainer or the programmer then gives a little bit more information and says, okay, the goal for Grace is we'd like to have all of you finish in five minutes or less. And you don't need to do any touch and go reps. Singles are fine from the get-go. You're like, okay, well, if that's the case, that's uh, six reps a minute. It's a rep every 12 seconds. So, you know, I'm warming up, doing this, not day one in the CrossFit gym. You might have an athlete that's in their late 50s or 60 years old and can handle once every 12 seconds for a quick single mm-hmm. as a single effort that day. You might have somebody else that's like, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to fall off. The trainer knows I'm going to fall off after two minutes. 115 is the right loading for me. Somebody else, the right loading is 95 pounds, but they know that because it's five minutes hey, and breaking that down. It's one rep every 12 seconds. We're going to warm up. We're going to play with it. And you're going to get a sense of what grace looks like for everybody that day. And you might have the 60-year-old with 135 and a 60-year-old with 95. So again, there's not just one particular loading. You could play the same game with any workout, you know, another one that we have a love affair with, Helen, fantastic workout. Maybe let everybody know, hey, on the quote-unquote runs, but maybe running doesn't treat your knees good anymore because you're 107 years old, and so you're going to bike or you're <laughs> going to row or something. But whatever device you're using, I don't want you to be running, biking, or rowing for more than three minutes. Okay, that's what, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to modify it if need be. You're going to get off it at three minutes. Then for the swings, hey, a Russian swing is fine. It's going to work just fine if going overhead doesn't treat you well. And I'd like to have you choose a weight that in round one, you're relatively certain will be challenging, but it'll be unbroken. And you think you maybe have to put the bell down once in round two and three. That's what I'm looking for. And for the pull-ups, uh, you know, two or three quick sets, you know, you do a, a six and a six in round one or a four, four, four with a little shakeout. Great, that's not possible. We get a band or ring row set up for you. We're all doing Helen together, you know, mm-hmm. and and there's a good chance that after you lay out what I just said right there, that you might be modifying Grace or Helen for the 35-year-old, like not just the 55-year-old. And so these, once again, are 
big picture items that, that then you have to either apply to yourself as the garage gym athlete or your class. And yes, their age is a factor, but they're just not going to come into play with somebody who's north of 55 years old. These are going to come into play with most people in gyms looking to get in better shape and are somewhere on their fitness journey where a 135 clean jerk is really darn heavy for 30 reps mm -hmm. or pull-ups are still out of the question, even though they're 37 years old. So we're going to modify that in a different way. So I would still always kind of circle back to the big picture intent and stimulus of the workout, knowing yourself or knowing your client base, and then making those decisions from there. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I completely agree with all of that. And um, I, don't, I don't have much more on this topic. So keep, no. keep on keeping on all of you out there that have been keeping on for a while. I think that's the name of the game, right? It doesn't need to be more complicated than that, really. For sure. And I should have got the episode number just to throw out there, but I think it's, it's valuable for this topic is way back, I don't even want to say how many ago, we did a, an episode where the title was something along the lines of, is it still CrossFit if it, there's no mm. ring muscle-ups and no right. handstand yeah. walking and like no squat snatch or something like that? So a lot of those movements are ones that might start to become a bit uh, unknown if I want to do it. I'm, you know, in a certain age range. I don't know if I want to kip anymore. I don't know why I'm doing handstand push-ups. I'm not going to do ring muscle-ups. I'm not going to squat snatch or I'm going to really consider my options or how to scale mm. and modify that. There was a lot of good nuggets of information in that other show. So I would encourage somebody to check that out because, you know, the short answer is absolutely it's still CrossFit. You're just going to, again, preserve the stimulus and the function of the movement to the best of your ability, have it meet you where you're at in your fitness journey, and you can find a way to reap the benefits. You know, you're going to do diam, but you're going to do a shoulder press instead of handstand push-ups. Guess what? You're crushing everybody who's sitting on the couch. You're winning. Life's fantastic. So mm. you've got no worries in this world. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, I think that's uh, hopefully that helped David B. Um, wrap his head around some of those concepts. Yeah, I hope so too. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think the name of the game is longevity for many of us. Um, and I think you illustrated that really nicely with the idea that there's a lot of stages to life. You know, you, you hit it hard early, you get fired up on something, you fall into it head over heels, and it really matters to you what those numbers are looking like. But you stick with it long enough, and it's not that it doesn't matter, but your priorities definitely start to shift a little bit. And you start to really get a better focus on what actually matters and what that training provides for you in a more holistic way. So yeah, hopefully that's the case for many of you out there. Um, and keep, keep on keeping on. I really mean that. I think that's the secret to it is to just keep going. Consistency. Yeah. Consistency yep. wins at the end of the day. So thanks everybody for all the comments. You know, we, we read them, your questions and your input really help drive the content for the shows. We say this at the end of every podcast. If you'd like to help support the show, Click on the link in the show notes that'll get you to some of the VNR cycles that we offer from helping out your barbell lifts, getting you your first pull-up, your first ring muscle-up, first five feet of handstand walk. There's some really cool skill progressions out there that we hope serve everybody well. So, of course, for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we'll see you next time.